0: Welcome to Living Freely Podcast, where our mission is to provide you with down-to-earth topics on mental wellness and realistic tips for living life more balanced and achieving optimal mental health. Living Freely Podcast is brought to you by Norfolk, Virginia Public Libraries and is hosted by myself, Rachel Ann Dine, licensed professional counselor with 15 years in the mental health field and very passionate about providing you with realistic strategies. With new episodes coming out weekly, Join in as I tackle relevant topics for personal growth, one podcast episode at a time. Be well and live well. Hi, welcome back to Living Freely. I'm always happy that you're listening in. Today's no exception. And so welcome to the show. We're talking all about a little... Sometimes not a little, but a big emotion that can really creep in and cause some havoc, hold you back, make you feel isolated. And today it's all about shame and identifying what shame is, how it can affect your interactions and your personal view of yourself, and ways to start releasing shame so that you can change a negative view of self. And I want you to learn by the end of this episode how to practice self-acceptance. And then of course, I'm gonna give you some examples of how shame can show up in life and, and how it can really get started. So I think that sometimes shame does not necessarily get fully addressed when a person experiences it. And so let me go ahead and just talk a little bit about how shame can come up. So I found this great article from scientificamerican.com, the scientific underpinnings and impacts of shame. Because shame, as I've already said, it is that emotional experience that can be a sneaky one. It can really cause confusion and even allow you to hold in negative experiences internally and keep them secret because they're shame attached to whatever happened. So when does a person experience shame? So sometimes shame comes up when we violate the social norms that we believe in. So at these moments, You may feel humiliated, exposed, and small, maybe even unable to look another person straight in the eye, and it can cause you to really just want to, as I've said, isolate and just disappear. So if there's been a situation where maybe you felt that you didn't do something that was expected of you or you know deep down in your heart that you dropped the ball, maybe it was something work-related and maybe as a result you were let go from your position. Feelings of shame can come up because maybe you violated some kind of norm that you believe in to always be ethical, to always be honest. But when that shame comes in and overtakes a situation, instead of even practicing self compassion, a person could just start to beat themselves up for the mistake, which we'll get into that. But how does shame also manifest itself? So, shame can make us direct our focus inward in view your entire self in a negative light. So like I've said, instead of just accepting the humanness of who you are, it can make you just totally develop that negative view of self, mind, body, and spirit. So feelings of guilt, though, often result from a concrete action for which a person accepts responsibility. So I'm going to get really deep into guilt um, here in a little bit. So I won't go too much more into this, except to say that when guilt comes up, it can cause you to focus your attention on the feelings of others. So maybe a partner was unfaithful and they've accepted responsibility for this and they feel this intense sense of guilt. And now they're focusing all of their attention on their partner who they were unfaithful on. Um, that's a, that's a, how guilt com- manifests itself. But shame, shame keeps us kind of isolated and in secret. I don't want to be repetitive, but just so that that distinction is made. Because when we isolate ourselves, that's when really negative thoughts of self can come up and it can be very detrimental. So now this is kind of an interesting tidbit, but women are quicker to feel humiliated than men. And adolescents feel shame more intensely than adults do, which I could probably assume because adolescents are still very much so in the developmental stage of life. They're more self-conscious. Sometimes they're more concerned with what their peers are thinking. I think when it comes to women, women inherently, biologically, uh, are more so the nurturers and so and they want to make sure that people are happy and everybody's cared for. It's kind of that biological component. And so women are quicker to feel humiliated than men because I think sometimes they can emotionally take on things at at a higher level. Not to say that men also cannot feel shame, but even the research backs this up, that women can be a little more quick to feel that humiliation. So the result of women sometimes feeling more quick to feel humiliated and adolescents feeling shame more intensely than adults is that sometimes women in adolescents are more susceptible to the negative effects of shame, such as low self-esteem and depression. So these are when shame can sometimes come up there's also a form of shame that is called called toxic shame now i'm going to tell you what there is so much information out there about shame because it's so prevalent and toxic shame develops can develop anytime But especially in adulthood, when mistakes continue to haunt you long after they happen. So feeling unable to admit what you did or take some sort of reparative action can make this outcome even more likely. So believe it or not, I'm fascinated by passive-aggressive personality types. And the toxic shame is a theme that I see come up because when a person is passive-aggressive, They often have a lot of trouble being able to admit that they've done something wrong. There's that high level of denial and avoidance of taking some kind of action to repair the situation, but little does the person know that this only increases toxic shame and While it can be so difficult as a human being to accept responsibility for mistakes and things that happen, it's so vital to grow and also keep that shame from presenting itself or even causing, you know, depression and anxiety. So, normal versus toxic shame just to break this down, because shame, we've all felt shame at some point or another in our lives. There's been a mistake that we've made. There's been some embarrassment. But normal versus toxic shame is that pretty much everyone will experience shame, but toxic shame happens when people experience it much more frequently or intensely than others. Some of this information is being taken from Healthline.com, Mental Health Toxic Shame. The piece about shame that can also be interesting is that there can be a cultural component. You know, there's like this standard for how humans are expected to behave no matter what culture you live in. And shame can help maintain some of these social norms, if you will, by reinforcing the idea that certain behaviors can harm others and have a negative impact on society. If you engage in what could be defined as these certain behaviors that can harm others, or you even have thoughts about it, about the potentially harmful actions, you might feel shame. So normal run-of-the-mill shame, though, becomes toxic after a period of time and Toxic shame is the shame that continues to stick around, and when it infiltrates your daily thinking and starts to contaminate the way that you see yourself, that's when it becomes toxic. So I I feel like I continue to kind of go back over some of these points, but there are some good distinctions to be made because I am here to normalize the experience of being human. If you have ever felt that sense of shame, you're human. And shame is a part of being a human being. However, it's it's kind of that, that old adage: if it's impairing your functioning of daily living, it's a problem. So if the shame becomes so intense that you start to turn inward and think that I am a failure, I'm never going to be good enough. I'm beyond repair. And you meet yourself with this sense of anger, self-disgust, and other, you know, less than desirable feelings that make you feel small and worthless, this is when the shame is toxic. When it trickles into that inner dialogue, almost like a poison, causes you to stay in the loop of negative self-talk. Now, the process of shame being a part of the human experience stems all the way back into messages that you may have received back in childhood from teachers, from parents. Maybe there were people who criticized you or bullied you. And this sense of shame can come up out of, you know, these external events, sometimes there are adult survivors of abuse, of sexual abuse, of child sexual abuse, and the shame stays with them. And that was caused by that external event that becomes internalized and is not even based upon your own behaviors. It's it's the shame is almost placed on you because this other person has planted that seed of shame. So shame can really start to center on even just your very identity as a person. But as I've already said, when this happens, this is when it becomes really toxic and it can really impact your sense of self. So how this can sometimes happen, this toxic shame process, because I want to give you these root cause origins so that you're able to identify, is this why or how I have started Feeling this sense of shame that won't leave me. So as you grow up and you start to learn more about how your actions affect others, we all begin to develop a better sense of acceptable and unacceptable behavior. So maybe when you were a teenager you would get into extremely loud, knockdown, drag-out fights with your family, maybe there was an incident in the workplace and as a result you were let go from that position. That's a that's a prime example of learning. Okay, I can't scream in the workplace. I can't, you know, become physically aggressive because I lose my job. That's an unacceptable behavior. But your parents also play an important role by, in an ideal situation, reminding you that mistakes are normal and then guiding you towards better choices by teaching you about the consequences of your actions. However, we all know that if you grew up in a home where parents sent really unhelpful and harmful messages. This is right where that seed of toxic shame gets planted. So maybe you struggled with math or writing, and instead of a parent sitting you down and saying, "Okay, let, let's let's talk through this. Let's maybe how can I help you," you're met with being called dumb or you're not smart enough. Um, those kinds of messages. And, you know, this this even comes into play with body image. Really, if you think about it in family of origin, if you were told that you were unattractive, you're lazy just for resting and, and taking the day off, that once again, those messages start to get internalized. So the disapproval and disappointment that focuses not on actions, but instead on aspects of the self, can make you feel very vulnerable, inadequate, and even unworthy of love or positive attention. Any kind of abuse or neglect or even a parent who didn't provide you with a lot of emotional affirmation can also trigger this development of shame. So we know that when parents ignore physical or emotional needs, oftentimes it can cause you to feel like you don't belong or that you're not worthy of love and affection. So it's just a process on how, like many other emotions, on how this toxic shame starts to become a part of a person's life. So some of the main factors on why recognizing shame and why I wanted to even dedicate an entire podcast to this today is to explain to you how shame can affect you and why it is such a big deal. So. We all know, but I think sometimes it's nice to hear it. If a person is constantly given negative messages, whether it's about your appearance, your personality, or your level of intelligence, or even your work ethic, you're going to be much more likely to internalize those messages, which is normal because when you're repeatedly told something, it's very easy to start to believe it. I will also point out that in... Abusive romantic relationships, this toxic shame can also come about. It is a means to control the other person. You know, if you can emotionally hurt someone, then that person is less likely to stand up for themselves or kind of fight back or even leave the relationship because they're being fed this dialogue that, you know, they're never going to find anybody else, or they're not worthy of love, all of these. So instead of when toxic shame comes up, instead of briefly feeling ashamed of poor choices and then learning from them, an indication that – toxic shame is present, is that maybe you carry a false idea of your own worthlessness moving forward. So then this sense of worthlessness starts to become a part of you, and we know it can damage self-image and become part of your self-talk. So especially in childhood, and this just comes to mind for me, but I think about stories that I've heard where... A human being was able to recognize that this pattern had come up in childhood and maybe parents constantly fed them negative messages, but as they grew older, they were able to heal and repair. And so if this is already coming up for you and you want to learn how to let go of the toxic shame, you know I have to recommend Seek out a therapist, seek out an individual counselor who you can sit down with and process through what those negative messages were growing up and how you can start to let go of them. As always, my favorite resource is www.psychologytoday.com or, of course, a quick Google search of therapists near me because if left undealt with, as I've already alluded to, experiencing toxic shame can block that positive view of yourself. If we don't have a positive view of ourselves or we don't feel like we're worthy of all that's good in this world, there's a good chance that we are then going to behave in ways that make it become true it really starts to diminish that healthy sense of self-worth so as i've already said experiencing toxic shame can really isolate a person Believing these negative messages that you may have received about yourself can even cause you to start to avoid and withdraw from others. So the idea that maybe you're unlovable, you're unworthy of a friendship or a relationship can even cause that sense of anxiety to come up about revealing your real self to people who seem to care about you. So I see this toxic shame kind of be a mask sometimes for people who always want to present a certain way. They don't want to ever necessarily own the fact that they're not human or maybe there's a part of them that feels unlovable. So they are going to just totally keep that to themselves. And as a result, that authentic living doesn't it to happen. So toxic shame can also spread over different actions that you may regret. You know, so maybe there was an instance of infidelity. Maybe you were unfaithful to your partner or you were dishonest with someone in your life. And you worry that you're going to end up hurting anyone who you try to form a relationship with. So you just present yourself, you present, you prevent yourself from taking that chance to meet someone or start a new friendship. So this is how that shame can really enter in and infiltrate the view of self and cause you to believe that because you've made a previous mistake, you're, you know, beyond repair, for lack of a better word, so that isolation can come up. We also know without a shadow of a doubt that shame causes emotional distress, negative self-talk that almost always accompanies shame, can absolutely cause unwanted emotions like feeling angry, that really intense sense of self-hatred, worry and fear, sadness, or embarrassment. If a person, maybe you, maybe struggle with perfectionism, toxic shame, that is a ripe, ripe, area for toxic shame to grow because perfectionists thrive on feeling like everything is done right. And so when they make a mistake – there's that intense level of shame that then fuels that cycle of, oh my gosh, I messed up. I'm not perfect. Let me try to compensate for this by doing something else even better. And then, you know, there's no perfectionism as a myth. And so they never reach that point and boom, the cycle just continues to happen. We know that toxic shame, just keeping it moving, can also affect relationships. So when you live with that sense of toxic shame, it can really make it difficult for you to open up to others. And when we don't open up to others, that's when true, authentic, intimate relationships are not able to thrive. And we've also talked about the fact that Toxic shame can make you feel like you have to hide a part of who you are because if somebody finds you out, they're going to run away from you. So it causes you to hold yourself back and not feel comfortable relaxing your guard around your loved ones. Now, I realize that it can almost seem like a protective measure, especially if you don't want to show all parts of yourself, especially to the person who maybe planted the original seeds of shame in you. Um, But I'm talking about for the sake of it's a healthy relationship at all outsets, but there's still that piece of you that doesn't want to open up to anybody else because of, okay, they're going to find out who I really am or whatever message is going on through your head. It can make you, you seem distant. Um, and so maybe if you've ever been given the feedback you, you know, it's, it seems really hard for you to open up or are you hiding something and then that can cause another person to maybe have a hard time trusting you. Shame can also cause relationship conflict. So criticism and constructive criticism is absolutely going to be a part of Every single relationship, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's from your partner, whether your friend you know, gets a little upset because she or he hasn't heard back from you in a couple days, and so they just say, hey, I tried to call you. I had a lot going on. What's, what happened? That constructive criticism is going to be present. And I'm sure if you're even hearing this, you have experienced where someone gave you criticism. But when there's that toxic shame, it's almost too much to take on. So it could even trigger you or remind you of being shamed early on in life, which then reinforces ideas of inadequacy and then causes you to isolate from that person, so difficulty accepting criticism can provoke defensiveness or the feelings of anger or sadness, which then, you know, may cause you to lash out at a partner or shut down emotionally. Last but not least, we know toxic shame can lead to harmful behaviors. Toxic shame is one of those heavy emotions that is not pleasant to live with and as a result it can cause a person to turn to some really unhealthy coping strategies to try to manage or just numb the pain that it causes so i think about um substance use and misuse and abuse, any kind of self-harm. There can even be self-sabotaging of relationships. There can be disordered eating habits that come up that all really serve as a means to block that shame and their they're unhealthy attempts to regain control of your life. So I think about How, if there's a negative body image, and maybe that stems from childhood. And so, as a result, to punish yourself, whether consciously or subconsciously, you start to engage in that restrictive eating, which then leads to a binge episode. And if you want to hear more about body image, check out episode 16 because we talk all about this. But just for the sake of today, um, you get into that pattern of restricting, binging. And then the shame comes in. And before you know it, that pattern gets reinforced. So when those methods of coping are implemented, the unhealthy methods, the thing about it is that sometimes it does provide a bit of short-term relief, but it never gets to the root cause of the issue. And that's when working through it is going to be essential. So one of my favorite researchers, um, and she is also a therapist, is Brene Brown. And so I want to unpack a little bit on what she talks about and explains is the difference between shame versus guilt, uh, because it is an important distinction, and knowledge is power. So let me get right to that. So Brene Brown has written many books Um, And, but I'm pulling for the sake of today from an article by EddensCounseling.com, letting go of guilt and shame, because they had a great article um, with some excerpts from what Brene Brown has researched. And so Brene Brown became a shame researcher. And it's kind of interesting. She always jokes about it when she tells people, oh, I research shame. They kind of shrink away from her because shame is not a fun emotion to necessarily feel or even sometimes talk about. So Brene Brown defines guilt as something that can be adaptive and helpful. It's holding something we've done or failed to do up against our values in feeling psychological discomfort. Now, with this feeling of guilt, um, sometimes if it becomes too uncomfortable or maybe a person is not ready to own up to what they have done, then of course, they can also reach out for those maladaptive coping strategies to try to avoid that uncomfortable feeling. But at the end of the day, guilt, what Brene Brown says, can actually be adaptive and helpful. That's how we learn. We can learn from our emotions as long as we don't let them fully take over our experience of being or cause us to start to internalize those negative messages, we can learn when we feel guilty. If you feel guilty, there's a good chance that maybe you've done something wrong. So how do we correct the situation? So moving towards Brene Brown's definition of shame, she says that shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Something that we've experienced, done, or failed to do makes us unworthy of connection. So big distinction. So I, I feel like guilt is the you know, precursor to shame. And if the the action that has made us feel guilty isn't corrected, then sometimes it can stem and to stem into shame. Shame is that feeling that I am bad and therefore I don't deserve love or I'm unworthy or undeserving. So Brene also goes on to say that she doesn't believe that shame is helpful or productive. In fact, she thinks that shame is much more likely to be the source of destructive, hurtful behavior than the solution or the cure. And she says, I think the fear of disconnection can make us dangerous because if we want meaningful and lasting changes, we have to get clear on the differences between shame and guilt and call for an end to shame as tool for change. So this also means moving away from labeling. And I think about if you have already labeled yourself, whatever thoughts are going through your head, um... And understand how when you label yourself, it can almost create this dynamic where now you're just going to live into that label. If you think that you're a failure, well, you've already kind of conceded to feeling that all you're going to do is fail and therefore, as I've already alluded to, acting in ways that maybe cause situations to not go as they would. So recognize when this process is happening So the antidote to shame, this is the good stuff, is self-compassion. Self-compassion, recognizing that you're human, recognizing that you're not a complete failure because you messed something up. Maybe you did react negatively to a situation, um, but instead of letting yourself then internalize the fact, I just can't do anything right, you go to the person or you apologize or you work to rectify it. So here, moving on from this, because I definitely want to get into some strategies with how to start letting go of guilt and shame. But before that, here are some kind of phrases that can come up when people are experiencing shame so recognizing shame words people may use when experiencing it sometimes the phrase everything is wrong with me gets thrown out then sometimes it's the complete opposite nothing is wrong with me so that's where that kind of passive aggressive denial avoidance of taking ownership that can be a direct symptom of feeling shame people can say i feel stupid i feel stuck Or I can't think clearly, my brain is frozen. Um, Sometimes these are the phrases that people will use, variations of them, when experiencing shame. Some common shame-based negative self-talk that can present itself in men is that I can't support my family, I'm a failure at work, in my marriage, with money, I did that wrong, or I'm just all wrong, I messed up. Whereas women can sometimes think, I should have it all together all the time. I'm not a good parent or a good spouse. I never do enough for my family or at work. I should be able to do all of this effortlessly. Why can't I? So it's interesting the different kind of gender type shame-based negative self-talk that can present itself, but I think these are important because I certainly have heard them thrown around from people before, Um, so just putting them all out there. So how do we start to let go of guilt and shame? We have talked about how toxic shame can come up, the negative effects of toxic shame, but now I want to help you learn to let it go. The first piece is, and I've alluded to this, but I always want you to feel empowered to take ownership for your part in a situation. Just because you admit that you did something wrong doesn't mean that you're all wrong as a human being. It's a part of healthy growth and moving forward through a situation. So we've always got to face a situation directly. Avoiding facing the issue can only send a person more so into a vicious cycle of guilt and shame and make the situation even worse. We know that when we avoid something All it does is cause whatever's going on to grow, and it may be either at a subconscious level or a conscious level, you know, whether it's the feelings of anxiety or sadness or feeling not worthy, but when we don't face a situation directly, it's going to come out just in a different way. So as hard as it can be, as hard as it can be, believe me, I know, but we've got to take ownership for your part in a situation. Maybe you made a mistake at work, or you forgot something, or you let someone down. Maybe you let your your child down or your spouse down. These things are going to happen, but it's okay to acknowledge that you're not perfect. So take ownership for your part in a situation. This next one is major. Must manage your expectations of yourself. These expectations that we place on ourselves can really make or break how well of a relationship we even have with ourselves. So we've always got to check out whether your expectations are realistic or unrealistic. I think about if you are working full time, you have a family, you're in a relationship, and yet you still feel like you're not doing enough and you should be doing more, or if you get if you get caught up in this cycle of not doing enough not being enough or thinking that you're a failure i really want you to pause and just check yourself what are define what your expectations of yourself even are what what do you even want to accomplish in a day because sometimes when emotions come into the scene like shame it can really take you down a dark rabbit trail of thinking that you're not doing enough when in reality you're, you're doing more than enough and everything is taken care of. So we've got to define what are the expectations of yourself? What would you even like to accomplish in a day? Or who do you even want to be? Chances are, if you want to be an honest, upstanding, hardworking individual, you're, you're probably already doing it because most people know whenever they are not meeting up to their own expectation. But define it. Put it out there. So if you begin to make it mean something about you, this kind of thought that you're not living up to what you expect of yourself, then it is a great path on the roadway to shame. So I always you know, want you to ask yourself, is it absolutely a true fact that I did something wrong or that I should be guilty about something or that I have let somebody down? Or is this self-induced? Am I just telling myself that because I haven't even met my own expectations of myself that no one else has even placed on me that I'm feeling less than in this moment? So if it's determined that you are not meeting your own expectations, but you're meeting everybody else's and and nobody's expressed unhappiness with you, we have got to practice that self-compassion where you consciously tell yourself, I'm going to let myself off the hook because your worth does not come from what you do or what you don't do. So got to manage those expectations for yourself. Okay. The next one is to always check in because I see this one come up a lot, are you taking responsibility for other people's feelings? It is so easy to feel a high level of guilt when others are unhappy with your decisions or your choices or your behaviors, it can be so uncomfortable, especially if you lean more so to the people-pleasing side of life and you always want everybody else's happiness to come at the expense of your own. And it can lead to those feelings of guilt when we find out that someone else is unhappy with our decision or our cho- choice that we've made or our behaviors. And These feelings of guilt can be protecting you from feeling like you've disappointed or upset someone else. But if what you're doing in your life, it's not hurting yourself, it's not hurting anyone else, it's a choice that you've made for you to feel healthy, then we have to honor that. And we have to start to recognize if that guilt is coming up. So Remember that slippery slope that if those guilty feelings come up and they're not addressed, it can quickly take you down that that roadway to shame. Um, so we've got to remember that we all have negative feelings from time to time, but we can move past it. You don't have to protect yourself from others by putting all of that self-induced guilt on you. We don't have to even question ourselves if others aren't happy with you. As I've said, a good little rule of thumb to keep in mind is that if you are not hurting anyone else or doing something that's hurting yourself and you feel happy and content, then it's okay. You're the one who's living your life, not anybody else. So really pay attention. If you're taking responsibility for other people's feelings, that's when maybe we need to set a really solid emotional boundary or examine the dynamic of that relationship. Okay. The next one can be tricky and it can definitely be a hard one to do, but if the shame is coming up, You're always, always allowed to make amends. You are always allowed to apologize and say that you're sorry. If you recognize that you did do something that you could have done differently, correct the situation whenever you can apologize for what you've said or forgot to do. I cannot even impress upon you enough the power of an apology. Sometimes it's not even necessarily, I mean, I always hope that people go in with the intention to maybe repair a relationship, but in a lot of ways, I think that saying an apology should be more so for yourself. You're owning what you did, you're learning from it, and you're growing from it. So if the opportunity for an apology has maybe passed or you feel like, too much time has gone by, you're always allowed to make a resolve, you know, and kind of make that dedication to yourself to be more mindful in the future that you don't want to recommit maybe the same offense or you just want to learn from it and you want to grow from it. Um, But you're always allowed and in fact encouraged to make amends. It's so important. If you're given the chance to apologize. Make sure to be opening to listening as much, if not more, than even the words that are coming out of your mouth. So maybe kind of give that other person an opportunity to express how they feel about the situation. Because when we go to give an apology, we can't expect that the other person is just going to say, okay, I forgive you. It's done. You know, each person has to process through what has happened and kind of air it out. So if you do want to make amends, just make sure that you go into the situation knowing that I'm going to be open to discussing this. I'm going to own it. And then I'll, I'll hear the feedback from the other person. Okay. Okay. Last but not least, I want you to always practice forgiving yourself. So, this kind of goes into, you know, practicing self compassion, but self forgiveness is major. So, in this process here, you've acknowledged that what you did maybe wasn't consistent with the person who you would like to be. You have done your best to undo or wrong uh, the wrong that happened or set an intention for the future. And you've apologized to those who you've hurt. So now it's time for you to forgive yourself. And one thing that you can always try doing is just writing down whatever you feel is relevant regarding the situation, or at the very least, just mentally reflect on it. What did you do or neglect to do? Did you hurt someone? Did you realize they would be hurt by your action? Was there any kind of motivation – it's, it, it requires just a really deep level of of honesty, not self-persecution. We are trying to break the shame cycle here, but just being honest in the fact I'm human. I hurt this other person. I didn't do what was expected of me. Of me. I let them down. What am I going to do differently? So I love these strategies. I think it's so important to recognize how shame can come up. Because as I've said, shame can be one of those emotions where it kind of gets left in the dust sometimes. I don't feel like people always talk about shame and how it can manifest itself. But shame causes secrets to grow. a lot of secrecy you know, around how you're feeling can cause those internal negative feelings of anxiety and depression and low self-worth to just thrive. So again, if you don't feel like there is a supportive person who you can talk to, maybe you know that you made a mistake years ago and you've never told anyone and you have harbored this secret for so long and as a result, there's so much shame surrounding it. Go talk to a therapist. Go just, you know, set up an appointment and start to process through it. It is a beautiful experience when that shame is released because it's freeing. I think anybody who has worked through something that's going on with themselves knows the power of letting go. It's major. And that's why I'm happy to. Maybe hopefully start that process just by providing this information about shame on the podcast, but always just remember there are going to be mistakes that you make. You may even be disappointed in yourself or disappointed in others. You might even regret a decision that you've made. You're not perfect. And so... Recognize that the emotions are coming up. Give yourself space to feel it. If you want to shed a tear, maybe you are very disappointed in how you behaved, it's okay and that guilt comes up, recognize it. But then how do we use this to learn from it and move forward? As an adult, I feel like I sometimes talk about this, but I want to say it again. As an adult, you are allowed to create that corrective emotional experience for yourself. Maybe there are those shameful messages that stem all the way back from childhood. Give yourself permission to go ahead and recreate a more self-compassionate, self-accepting message in the here and now and start to let of the shame. I'm so glad that you've tuned in today. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. As always, I want you to continue to live well and be well. We'll see you next week here on Living Freely. That's our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in to Living Freely Podcast, where we are bringing you all of the down-to-earth and realistic information on achieving optimal mental health. Like what you've heard, consider giving us a rating on Apple Podcasts so that we can be enjoyed by other listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We will see you next week.